As superhero movies are becoming mainstream entertainment at theaters around the world, comic fans also have plenty of heroic action on the small screen to keep them sated while waiting for the next blockbuster. We are in a golden age of superhero television shows, with plenty of offerings from both the Marvel and DC universes, and the trend shows no sign of slowing down. To chronicle these recent shows and even examine some of the classics, we are proud to present Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. Hi, welcome to Weekly Heroics. Why do I always do the intro? A two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. And I am Scott McGregor, one of your regular co-hosts, joined by the hair metal hero, Chris Tyler, over here. Yo. And I say over here because we have a guest, and, and once again we've proven that if you email us, you can be on our show. <laughs> from one we read, I think, a couple episodes ago, uh, it, it is Murph Tipton. Uh, who does the Hero Unabridged? Yep, yep, Hero Unabridged. And uh, the Dead Indicator podcast when we get it done, which is not very often anymore, unfortunately. Well, give us the uh, funny uh, interwebs addresses of those right here uh, off the bat. So pimp thyself, sir. Uh, well, Hero Unabridged, you can get on basically any format. So you can find the website at Hero Unabridged at Lipson.com and. You can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, all that good kind of stuff. Same thing with Dead Indicator. Just type Dead Indicator into Google and we'll pop up. You might find some stuff about a film festival that we do once a year. Uh, that's another one of my projects. And then I've got two or three more projects that are coming up and <laughs> it should be should be a lot of fun if they're not an outrageous amount of work. Nice. Um, well, you gave us a very gracious email a couple weeks ago and, you know, we were hunting around for people who want to talk Legion this week, and you piped up, so absolutely. Uh, I haven't turned anybody away yet, so. <laughs> no. Actually, I'm just, it's all cover-up. We, the Division 3 actually went and got Murph and has has, has brought him to the studios um, because it's it's the truth is out now. If you email us, you are required to be on the show. Um, <laughs> and, and Scott and I actually shared a tender embrace and switched bodies. Yes, so did. And, and let me tell you, uh, no, I won't tell you. I just spent the last <laughs> six hours trying to figure out if this is all in my head or not. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I, and they're not really helping us get a grasp on that, but. Uh, What's in your head right now, Mr. Tippin, I would imagine, is a guy with uh, six claws and, and a little girl with four. Oh, yeah. yeah um, just got this... back from Logan. Yes. So uh, we're, we're going to um, beg your indulgence to give us a little very short and very non-spoilery, especially the non-spoilery spoilery part, uh, review of the movie and your, your first uh, impressions since you're one of the first people to have impressions about it that we're going to talk to so that's kind of very cool so you know what a claws up or down i guess is what we're asking well it's long yeah <laughs> it's like two hours and 21 minutes or something like that excellent yeah. and i would say it's easily the best wolverine movie that's come out like okay. hugely high bar but okay yeah, yeah. that's what i'm saying <laughs> especially since there's been like one passable one and the rest of them have been garbage <laughs> But it's it's actually thoroughly enjoyable. Um, 
I don't know why they, they pressed the idea of it being based off of Old Man Logan so hard, because it is not. It has good zero, zero to do with that. Comic. They couldn't do most of that comic series anyway, just because of the characters that were in it. So we knew that going in. But yeah. Yeah, I'm fine with it not being yeah. based on Old Man Logan. Uh, I would say the the acting's really good. The story's really good. It's got a, a really good ending, surprisingly. And there was a nice little surprise thing at the very like before the movie starts. Okay. That I had no idea was going to be there, and I don't really. I've already had that spoiled for me, so I won't yeah, ruin it. I, say, I wouldn't want to spoil that to anybody because it's it's something that is a really good laugh if you don't know what's going to be there. I'm going in about 15 hours probably. So yes, no spoilers. Um, so yeah, uh, I imagine, you know, I've listened to some of your stuff now and we've, we've chatted a bit and I, I think we're all, you know, kind of kindred spirits in some of our nerd properties. So yeah. brothers and sisters in nerdhood. Yes. Uh, yes. Well, well, actually the thing I, that, that proved to me that you were a kindred spirit, at least of this show was I, I've listened to your first two Spectre casts, as I said, and, and and your first one is an intro, you know, of what you're going to, you know, your vision for the show, basically. And you're crazier than we are, actually, <laughs> because, you know, we're reviewing all these various properties that there are just way too many of for us to ever finish in our lifetime. And you've taken that up to 11 and decided to do, like, every comic in in the universe, yeah, and you're gonna be really 90 ambitious. by the time you get done with Spectre. So it's good to have goals. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's not that terrible once you get past the fact that I'm not going to do reprints and trades and hardbacks and all that kind of stuff. I'm only right. doing comic book issues, but it's still about it'll be 800 episodes. <laughs> yeah, you know, but but you're good at it. Man. That's that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think the first one was like a good little 18-minute podcast. You had plenty of stuff in there, and it was entertaining. And you gave God a big, booming voice in it, too, sound effects. So that was neat. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I have to do stuff like that to keep myself entertained. Yeah, well, I hear you. <laughs> uh, but I, I suppose we should jump into this. You, you, I'm assuming, been taking the Legion ride with the, with the rest of us right from, from Chapter 1, right, uh, Murph? Yeah. Yeah. And what's your experience is like, well, obviously you're a Wolvie fan, but um, what were your expectations going to this? Is something that's been marketing itself as an X-Men show, but is no, not your granddaddy's X-Men show. No. <laughs> well, I only had like a, uh, a fairly small knowledge of the Legion comic book character. Obviously, I'd read, like, Age of Apocalypse and all that kind of right. stuff, so I had, like, bits yeah. and chunks. Yeah. And I never read him because – I'm, I'm sure you guys have looked at the comic book before. He has the dumbest haircut I've ever seen on a human being. Yeah. He has, he has like, this <laughs> – That's saying a lot in comics. play pencil haircut that, like, goes straight up into, like, a guile flat top for some yeah, reason. Yeah, I'm not sure where Sinkevitz was going with that one. <laughs> it's so – It's Sinkevitz. <laughs> And the and because I like I've only picked up an issue here or there with him in it, I couldn't make any damn. I mean, it's kind of like to show you, it's kind of hard to make any damn sense of it. I've cheated significantly since this started and like gone back and done all the wiki research on on his 
stories that the ones that I missed because I didn't I didn't read anything about him past like Age of Apocalypse and when he was briefly in the X or X Factor and stuff like that. But, I, uh, the big things but, I can remember about him, and I'm really hoping they both come into the show, is one of his personalities ends up being called the Delusionist, and. Mm-hmm. In his head, it's basically him, but instead of his hair, he has a chimney coming out of his head, and it spews rainbows. Okay, that would not be out of place in this show at yeah. all. And then uh, another person clearly not... is a robot <laughs> named, like, Kazak, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. It's it's super weird. Never got to that one. Yeah, I guess I need to start doing drugs, because... <laughs> <laughs> No, this show may make it possible to get the same experience without putting anything in your body. Yeah. That's what well. the society needs, really. Um, so we should probably dive into this because we've got some just redonkulously long recaps that I've written here. Um, <laughs> plus even a link to the story that the coffee maker tells someone in the first episode we're going to cover. That sounds even weirder saying it out loud. <laughs> but shall we begin? Um, Legion Season 1, Chapter 3. And we pick right up with Shall We Begin? Uh, and with a montage of images of David uh, sitting on a pier, flashbacks to his childhood dog. And Dr. Bird is talking to her steampunk coffee maker, who is telling her the story of the poor woodcutter and his wife. Uh Meanwhile, we get kind of a sexy slow-mo look at the co-ed showers at Summerland. Uh, the montage continues with flashes of Amy with slugs on her, an art 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 eye funkle dude with yellow eyes, female female Carrie in the lab uh, is walking into and disappearing into male Carrie in the lab. Thus, the reason he talks to himself, presumably. And, and then this next thing I wrote, they kind of proved me wrong in the next episode, but I. I this was still my first impression, but I like how they were kind of showing some of the people's powers, like very organically, like they weren't going out of their way to do huge exposition about it, although they do in the next one, um, <laughs> with the exception of Katomini, who kind of needed to, you know, we needed to know what he was doing. But it's not like they're stopping to, like, introduce all the mutants. Like, we didn't pause for Sid to uh, introduce telekinetic throwing people guy during the escape. You know, they just, and this is throwing man, you know, he's been with this school this long and oh, we got to get back to the war now. And they just kind of give us glimpses of stuff and let us figure it out. And I, I like not being treated like, you know, a kid as an audience. Um, some of the normals out there in TV land may not know what the hell is going on, but I don't care about it, so. I don't know what the hell is going yeah, on. I, I've got to, <laughs> trying to get a grasp on it. This episode helped a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Dr. Bird mysteriously pours a full cup of coffee away just to make the coffee maker tell her the story again. We get another flash of Amy's interrogation, which seems like David is monitoring, possibly, and Sid approaches him and tells him it's time for memory work. Dr. Bird reiterates for the audience why they're doing the work. I thought there was kind of a little redundant exposition in this one, but it could, uh, they need to lead you around a little bit. David is told he needs to skip to the scary memories if they're going to get his powers under control soon enough to save Amy. We rewatch the kitchen memory with the memory gang, and Dr. Bird is very excited about David's raw display of power. They rewind the memory trip to a bit uh, of uh, David and Lenny in the throes of the foggy, the frog, druggery. 
David smells cake and it's a lie, which is his girlfriend, of course, and uh, his told guests are on the way. Lenny is eating the cake and girlfriend fights her over the uh, drug frog. And my brain is already, you know, there's already blood coming out of my ears at this point. Um, they pause the memory, try to go to another one, but here's yellow guy. And we kind of get our best look at him yet. And he's, he's nasty. Let's just say that. Suddenly doors slam and head people are panicked and Potomany doesn't seem to have control anymore. And he thinks David is fighting him, but David insists that he isn't. Suddenly they're all awake back in Summerland and we see the giant X window for the first time. Thank you for that club beating, folks. Uh, also, they teleported when they came back, apparently. Potomini asked David, what are you? And, yeah, and we're all screaming that at our TVs at this point. So pretty good uh, first, like, five minutes was that of the, of the first of the episode? Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe how much... Uh, well, I, I can't believe how much they stuff into this show, but then me and uh, Murph figured it out on Facebook earlier that we think that they only have actually, out of what is going to be eight episodes this season, um, they've only actually uh, filmed like two hours worth of footage, and they chopped it up <laughs> and threw it into a video editor and hit shuffle. Right. And that's kind of what this show feels like most of the time, because um, they're relentless with replaying basically stuff we've already seen in a different, you know, linear place or tied to something else or it's just. And this was the first episode that I noticed that they had started playing the same things over and over again, but there are variances like a tiny detail will have changed if you're paying attention. Yeah. The, the show is like perfect for the, you know, you know, the lost nerds that used to write down every detail and, and go off in their wild theories and, and when I'm done watching this, I tend to jump on YouTube and find videos to people <laughs> explaining to me what the hell I just watched. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I wanted to cover this show so badly, too. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a very unsettling style of of storytelling. But uh, ultimately, if they pull it off, it's kind of brilliant, too. I don't know. Yeah, but it hits, it hits you right in the good spot because it's one of those shows that obviously it requires you to sit there and chew on it and think about it and probably yeah. watch it again. But it it always leaves you at that spot where you think you're just you're this close to like understanding it, but it's just outside of what you can grasp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it said the uh, the editing style doesn't help with that because they'll just. They'll randomly throw something in. Oh, here's the scene of David eating tape again for no particular reason. I'm sure they have a reason, the magnificent bastards, but they ain't telling us yet. All right. On with it. Uh, (laughs) David is back sitting by the water at Hippie Xavier Mansion, and Sid comes by to talk. Uh, talk, uh, David asks about her past, a little chit-chat here. She talks about her mom and her several dads. And David reciprocates with some memories. Conversation turns to when they switch bodies, and it's quite a little funny scene. David claims he's remembering being her, and he remembers having long hair. Uh, Long story short, he had to pee while he was a girl, but he promises he didn't look. (laughs) Uh, He does admit to testing out the boobs, though. Um, You know, and Sid tells him that she whacked off while she was him, which horrifies David, but she was joking. Maybe, maybe not. 
Oh, if we all had the opportunity to switch genders, we'd do you know, it. You know, the opportunity. That's all I'm saying. Sid says it's no big deal. She's gotten used to being other people with her power. She's been a Chinese guy. She's been like a five-year-old girl, you know, roguing it up all around town. Uh, back to Amy's uh, interrogation. The white-haired, creepy guy from Chapter 1 is questioning her. Um, also back at the Summerlin lab, Mail Carrie, we're, we're just going to do... Kind of separate. Male Carrie is the the guy that usually wanders around the lab. Female Carrie is the girl that comes out of him and practices martial arts Jeez. shit. Yeah, try to keep up, folks. It gets wiggy. Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, Male Carrie is wiring David up to some testing equipment. Female Carrie emerges out of his back, presumably to help. David is asking, "Please not to break anything this time," which David refuses to promise. Good call. He's told to think of something stressful. Ah, that won't break anything. And we're back on the ride to memory land. And it's Halloween with young David, Amy, and the dog King. Uh, King runs through a gap in a fence into a creepy yard, and we hear an evil-sounding version of the angriest boy book uh, as a voiceover. Yeah. And suddenly, lo and behold, there he is, coming for young David. <laughs> and that fucking thing is scary. It really is. It is uh, freaky for a giant paper mache head. Yeah. I, I love it. The, the design people on the show are just really twisted fuckers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, you can swear on this podcast, uh, Murph. I didn't know if you knew that, if you ever hear, listened before or not. Woohoo! Fuckity uh, fuck fuck. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Back in quote-unquote reality, every time I say the word reality from here on in this show, it has quotes around it, okay? It's just, it'll help you keep up better. Headlenny shows up, which registers on the instruments when he starts talking to her. She's taunting him about letting himself get tested and implies that he shouldn't trust uh, Dr. Bird and company. Suddenly she turns into Amy and the room starts shaking and breaking and David is floating above his chair. Sid goes in the room and, and ends up floating with David into a strange light. Because why not? And that's going to be also my my most often said phrase in these podcasts is because why not? Because mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying to my TV. Why not? Sure, why not? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> eh, screw it. <laughs> yep. The scene changes to old guy interrogating Amy, and we see that Sid and David are watching as psychic ghosts. Uh, evil guy is trying to explain to a to Amy that David has powers and is a god, and how dare you let your godlike brother, you know, get away to run amok like that? You know, you should be able to stop him. I guess. I dude is carving something again. Astral David is trying to talk to the scene, and apparently I dude sees him, and Sid reaches for them. Oh, sees him and Sid and reaches for them. Suddenly they both appear again in the pond, teleported there to the surprise of the other mutant school students. David gets scolded for going all Astro Detective by Dr. Bird, and and she gives (laughs) the story uh, of her husband, Oliver, and the backstory of our world a little bit. We get some good exposition here, if any of it's real. We we find out that Oliver and the mail carry uh, built Summerlin 30 years ago. So we're kind of getting our place in time and space, which is nice. Nah, but not uh, really. No spoilers. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we, we think so. Uh, Walter the Eye uh, used to be a student there, but he was too evil. 
David doesn't care. He just wants to storm the castle and get Amy. But Bird tells him he's too important because they are at war and losing. He might be the most powerful mutant alive. And I'm sure it's not all uh, not at all significant that all this exposition is being done while David is standing right in front of the big red X logo window. <laughs> I'm sure that wasn't intentional at all. Bird says uh, that she wants uh, to fix him so he'll be happy, and then she wants to use him as a weapon. At least she's honest, you know, as any good Xavier analog would do. To expedite the uh, brain work, Bird wants to sedate him from every work, and Sid wants to go in too, but David says no. <laughs> Look how long that lasted. One commercial yeah. break. Sid goes to see David, <laughs> who can't sleep because of weird dreams memories, and David admits that he used to be a junkie and doesn't want her to see him you know, at his worst in the memory trip. But, of course, she rolls out the Do You Love Me cannon and uh, blows his head off, and that's the end of the discussion, and Sid is going with him. And then we get to the line from Dr. Bird, just a pinprick, uh, she says, as start the memory <laughs> I was waiting for it. There'll be no more. Ah! <laughs> it's like, I was waiting. It, it starts with some Lenny stuff. Uh, we find out that because of sedation, because of the sedation, memory David's avatar is his young child self. Sid takes the opportunity to hug him safely because her powers aren't real here. <laughs> You can almost hear her thing. It's like, God damn it! You couldn't bring me here with like adult Dream David and let us go have a room. For yeah. <laughs> we go to the uh, memory of David breaking into his therapist's office to steal meds, and, and memory David is having memories of memories within the memory. Yeah, that's what kind of show this is. Yeah. Suddenly, Sid and young Avatar David um, are seeing weirdness that Bird and, and Potomini aren't. Uh, memory David is stealing session tapes, and Dr. Bird wants them to pull out, but Potomini says he can't. Little Avatar David runs off, and Sid is following him through various memory scenes. God, my brain hurts. Sid chases young Avatar <laughs> into a room, and she tells him to find his favorite place to hide. And now they're being chased by the angriest boy, because why not? Avatar Dave and Sid crawl into a series of air ducts worthy of an alien movie. I, I gotta think there was a nod going on there, too. Uh, and we see the yellow-eyed devil pursuing them. Sid yells at him to wake up, but she is the only one who does in the real world. But she finally wakes up. Potomini and Melanie um, is still under. And we see her adventures in memory land and get a glimpse of David's dad and mom, maybe. And they both have faces, and neither of them is a bald guy in a wheelchair. Well, it could be David's brain. It's Charles Xavier. Come on. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but they had faces, so that's got to mean something. Uh, she walks upstairs and hears some strange whimpering and, of course, uh, goes right to that door. Uh, it sounds like the dog, but she opens the closet and finds the Necronomicon instead. I mean, the angriest boy book. <laughs> yeah. suddenly closes on her hand and crushes the crap out of it and oh that freaked me the hell and, out and the devil with the yellow eyes rises up behind her but she suddenly wakes up very panicked and agitated and checking her hand and of course it was all an illusion they are unable to wake up David though and we get a scene of him surrounded by the screaming people in his brain and the episode ends and holy freaking shit yeah <laughs> I don't even know what to say with these shows, man, because you just sort of pulled along for the ride. I mean, you just the the vague overview of what 
is happening is really all we have. And, and again, I apologize for, you know, to our listeners and our guests for these long-ass recaps, but I just don't know what to leave out and, and be able to do it more concisely. It's just so dense and... And there's so many visuals going on. I just I feel the need to describe everything. Then, so I apologize. I said it's all David Pasquarello's fault again. It's, we'll kind, it's, it, it's a Kubrick nightmare. Every <laughs> single thing. I, I I've been trying to figure this out since I started watching the show. It's it's like watching a 1970s Italian movie. You can't figure uh, out if they're complete idiots or if they're geniuses. Mm-hmm. Like because it's either random. Or it's the most brilliant thing you've ever seen. <laughs> well, it could be a little bit of both. Did yeah, you guys notice in this episode background, sorry. the uh, <laughs> the random the the changes in people's speech patterns as they go through the episode? No. I I didn't notice that. I I need to go back and watch the first two episodes because I started noticing it in this episode, and then in the next episode, it's even more pronounced. Somebody says there's a, a there's a, some kind of a reference to poetry in this episode, mm-hmm. and when the girlfriend comes to him beside the lake to to do the last plead to let her come into his head, that entire speech she gives is a poem. That's not natural human speech whatsoever. Like there's there's form to it. I even I wish I would have written it down because I was I rewound it like three times like, okay well, that's not normal. And that's not the way she speaks in the rest of the show. So I think that they're on on top of the real world and the fake world. I think there are even more layers of what's real and what isn't real. I I completely missed that. That's that's a good catch, Murph. Oh, my God. Yeah, I did not pick up on that. (laughs) Yeah, Rewatch it. Just rewatch that scene and listen to her talk. It's com- it's not the way she talks in all the rest of the episodes. All of a sudden, she like goes into this like Shakespearean flowing prose almost. It's it's completely different. Uh, Potomini launches into some poetry and stuff in in the episode we're going to talk about here in a minute. But um, yeah, man, wow, I kind of missed that completely. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. This is why it's good to have guests that are smarter than you are. Oh, Take I don't note, think I'm smart. Podcasters. I think I'm obsessed. Occasional podcast partner of ours, Sarah Tonin, is, is the detailed girl over on the on my Fear of the Walking Dead cast, and she always is picking up tons of crap that I miss. I just, I, I guess I just go along for the ride and, and miss a lot of things. I won't pick up stuff until <laughs> the second watch. No, no, this, this show in particular, man, it takes a few. It's like yeah, you, you pay attention to like one part of it the first time you watch it, and then you can check out the other the second time, and then maybe third one you can try to take it all in. Right. Yeah. But good catch, man. Oh, I'm going to be on the lookout for that now because that's, man, everything in this show is is either completely random or very, very deliberate. <laughs> there's, I was going I was getting ready to say, there's an even bigger one in the next episode like yeah. that I, it, I was trying to figure it out because something – We'll get to it whenever we get there, but something shot weird, and I was trying to figure out why it was shot like that. And there's, mm-hmm. a, once you think about it, there's a perfectly valid reason for why it looks like that. All right, looking forward to hearing. Yeah, just break in when I get to that part and, and give it to us. Um, I think I know the part you're talking about. But I mean, this one. <laughs> by the way, we're doing two episodes for you tonight, kids. So it might be a long one. We're doing 
chapter three and four. And and this one goes a long way to setting the universe up for us, or at least what we think is the real universe. Because because <laughs> Melly, you know, talks about it's it's essentially thirty years that the this Summerland school has has been going on and they've been searching for mutants, presumably, if we're going kind of by the X Men model of this. You know, this is alternate universe Xavier school, I guess we can kind of call it until they tell us otherwise. Yeah. Um, and so we, we find out that the, the male Carrie was there from the beginning with this mysterious Oliver who we are hearing about and we'll learn a lot about next episode in the most glorious ways. Um, and so, you know, we and we have the division and the war started quite a while ago and they're losing and so we get a lot of maybe what this world is about and it's very kind of days of future past-ish. Um, you know, the old story of, uh, you know, mutants versus the humans and all that and evolution and craziness and mania. Um, so, I mean, that was nice and it helps us latch on to some things and they, and they do that for about half of every episode so far they give you some what looks like it's probably real world stuff and then of course it goes batshit crazy for about half an hour and you don't know what the hell you, you know what's real anymore um so thoughts i don't know on that in particular yeah i mean the world building is definitely good in this one but like you said then it goes into gua- back guano territory where it's like Okay, let's um, go along for this ride. But, I mean, even that now has some structure in that we know Potomini's, you know, we know why they're going into his head, and, you know, they're, they're essentially just trying to find out, almost trying to find out what his powers are, you know. We're going back to all these moments of insanity and, and seeing what actually happened, or maybe actually happened. Yeah, if they're going with the comic books, the answer to that question is all the powers. Right, and I'm beginning to think, man, this may be a very faithful translation of of kind of the book powers. It may be one of the better translations of of page to screen that we've seen in X property because it's that that's what this is all about. And I'm I'm wondering if they'll actually get to the proper terminology. I mean, they keep calling him a schizophrenic, but I mean, if they go down the multiple personality route, that's not the proper term for it. Well, I I think that's the trick. I think they were trying to lie in the first couple episodes and pretend that he doesn't have multiple personalities, but he clearly does. Yeah. uh, The the repetition of the scene of him standing in the room with like, that's full of people screaming at him. Yeah, that's, I think that's supposed to represent all those other repressed personalities. Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope they're accurate to it because unfortunately, that's one of the kind of things that gets lost in translation when you're talking about mental. I have counselor training. This is my schooling coming out of my brain. Um, that a lot of people think schizophrenia is multiple personalities. It's just kind of been a long-standing, you know, misinformation thing uh, yeah. about the, the various disorders. Rant off. Uh, yeah, so I just, uh, I'm going to hold their feet to the fire on that one. Uh, but I mean, again, the acting in this, man, I just can't say enough about it, man. It's, I, I can't even comprehend how you can act in a show like this and keep your mind on it and stay in the moment and, and take it seriously and, and 
What what do you think the scripts for this show actually I look like? I have no idea. I can't even comprehend. I mean, I assume it's like normal stage directions describing what you're seeing and what you should be acting against. Um, there's quite a shit ton of uh, like green screen stuff that has to be going on in this, especially next episode. Yeah, and so. what kind of direction do you give the actors? Whatever yeah. they look at, they're like, okay, well, what's going on in this scene? And they're like, well, <laughs> yeah. I don't know right now, but you're not quite real. And you may actually be someone else being you. And it's right. not really you. And it's not actually the time or the place where you're at. I think the short notes are just act like you're going insane all the time. Um, Cause your audience will feel the same way. Yeah, and they're, they're just nailing it, man. There's so much like facial acting going on with David, and 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 Sid's face is just nice to look at. So I mean, have her on screen as much as possible. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, the 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 kid who's playing the kid, the thirty something year old that's playing David. It's it's hard to take your eyes off him. He is just so he has that skittish vibe where he can barely get a thought out. And it's like if you know anybody that's kind of addle-brained, that's exactly what they're like. Yeah. I've, I've done mental health counseling. I've met a couple. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, so yeah, shall we continue then, guys? Um, yeah. And, and, soldier on. Yeah. Wow. Speaking of soldiers, and my first sentence in my notes on Legion season one, chapter four are. So after three episodes, we've gotten accustomed to the nonlinear structure of this show and kind of finding our place in the universe they've set up. And then the show says, fuck you, I'm done, not done with you yet. And we start <laughs> this chapter with a poster boy for 70s lounge wizards talking to us about violence and human nature and how we're the root of our own. I need to drag my cigarette. There we go. And we're the root of our own problems and how violence is ignorance. In short, figure your shit out, he says. And then his drink freezes, and uh, my brain goes to, is this a future Bobby Drake? And it's not. And he tells us there are two kinds of stories, uh, ones that teach empathy and ones that teach fear. And apparently his name is Oliver Anthony Bird, and presumably Dr. Melanie Bird's lost husband, and he is in a ball of ice somewhere, surrounded by green snow. And we're off. Played by Jermaine. Yeah. What? Played by Jermaine, Jermaine Clement. Of the Concords. I was oh, that's so, right. I, yeah. I love him so much. Yeah, just, I mean, first scene, just this guy right in our face. It's like, what? <laughs> and I should be surprised at this point. I just, I want to know what what year, what 70s year Sears Wish book they got that outfit oh, from. It's, he's brilliant. He's like. It's he's glorious like looking. Dress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And the chains going on and, you know, the, the stereo and the room decked out when it, you know, not the not ice parts anyway. Yeah, we're off with a montage of images as usual with uh, Sid telling us the mission was finding out what was real. And they're making us, you know, think very much at this point that we're back to nothing being real. Back to the Summerland lab, and David is still unconscious, but his mind is active, and we get memory, uh, many of the memories we've already seen again. Potomini says his consciousness isn't in his head, but he's not dead. And they figure out he's creating his own astral plane and defenses in the form of glitches um, that they're experiencing in the memory work, something David doesn't want them to see or 
the yellow dude probably doesn't want them to see. That's what I'm kind of picking up. I don't think it's David. I think it's, yeah. That guy. <laughs> or girl or, or other guy or whoever the hell is. Nightmare fuel is yeah, what it is. Yeah. Do- Dr. Bird wants to send Potomini Sid and uh, female Carrie out to search the uh, physical places of David's memories for clues. Um, Potomini is skeptical. Carrie says she doesn't care as long as she gets to kick something. It's female Carrie. Um, the three depart and end up at Dr. Poole's office. Sid finds uh, subtle differences in the room from David's memory, but Potomini chalks it up to just unreliable memories. More searching, but somehow I don't think that's the case. More searching finds the reel-to-reel tape, which is bent and bloody. Sid asks the questions we've all been screaming at our screens for two weeks. Is it possible we're still in David's astral plane or the or mind? <laughs> yeah. Potomini says, no, this is real, but then he admits he's only pretty sure it's real. <laughs> <laughs> So thanks for that, guys. Uh, thanks for clarifying. They lay hands on the tape machine to psychically read it, and we're back in the memory. The tape is playing. David saying various star constellations. And Sid and Potomini see the, the scene of David beating Dr. Poole. Uh, Sid is fixated on the question, what did the stars say? And uh, that's what we all want to know. And they discuss the glitches again. Potomini says they aren't implanted memories, but Sid suggests that maybe they're implanted from within his own mind. Hmm. Curious. They figure out that maybe David came to Dr. Pools to destroy evidence of something that he said, as opposed to just stealing drugs. But he also stole drugs. Um, More (laughs) images, because why not? Uh, More images of things they were there. More images of things we've seen and things we've yet to see are accompanied by a Sid voiceover. We check in on Amy's cell, uh, and she's ravenously eating a tray of food that she was just given, but then she screams and throws it. And suddenly she hears a voice through the wall, uh, and we see this Dr. Kissinger, David's therapist at Clockworks. She asks him if he knew that David wasn't sick but actually had powers. He claims that he didn't. And then Amy claims that she thinks she did because he used to teleport, and there were telepathy going on and he could read minds so he might have had powers and we also find out that david's beagle doggy king didn't actually exist what we get this great slow-mo close-up shot of the dog's face like fluffy hound from hell and just drool and it's like okay the the dog that doesn't exist named king Oh, right. and one of the best things, I'm not 99% sure that that dog is one of his personalities. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking. Oh, uh, and that's what Amy eventually says, that he, you know, or actually the girlfriend, you know, um, in a later scene that he used to, you know, he, uh, he thought that, it was pretty real. But Amy knows that it wasn't. He just used to talk to it all the time. The scene where she's uh, talking to the doctor through that wall right there. Yeah. That's the one I was talking about that shot so unnaturally. Right. It's that weird side view thing. And once again, there's a change in the speech patterns. If you notice, they're talking really oddly. Like they're not talking like normal people anymore. Well, I noticed it from him because he was just, yeah, it was a very weird cadence. and it Yeah, was... the, and the sister's doing it too. And if you think back to the beginning of the episode when we're first introduced to the Anthony or Anthony, uh, what's his name? Oliver? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the very first thing he says is that you're about to watch a play. Yeah, yeah, did notice it, that. Yeah, and the speech patterns and the way that they're moving and stuff, 
that's a stage play. That's not like the way a, a film would be shot or the way people would naturally act. Right, and that's that's how the the scene was set up in general. That's how you would shoot a stage play of that scene is a split set yeah. like that with yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. Catch. And it's it's another one of those things that it, it's I think it's still pointing toward the fact that some of this stuff is is not necessarily real or fake. It's somewhere in between. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that this whole episode is full of in between places. Right. Um, yeah, another good catch, though. <laughs> I, I did notice that about that set. It was just like, I mean, you don't have to do that on a TV show. You don't have to have the split screen like that and the guard walking by. and um, You know, you can just cut to each cell and make it look like a 3D world. But, uh, yeah, yeah it's, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just so much to take it's such a feast of the senses and it's damn hard to write about too right <laughs> um oh okay back to uh, this I guess Sid is reflecting on the things she saw in David's brain Potomini is building a fire they're in the woods somewhere and suddenly she's a little flash of the angriest boy more evidence that maybe they're not even outside in the world anywhere. Carrie comes and tells uh, them that the other Carrie found where David's girlfriend is, so they plan to talk to her. Sid asks female Carrie what it's like to share male Carrie's body, and we get the full exposition and secret origin of their powers, which was kind of cool. To summarize, two people in one body. We learn that male Carrie takes care of the boring stuff like eating, sleeping, and shitting, and she gets to do the action stuff, which she really enjoys, apparently. To a, to a Wolverine fault, let's say. Uh, and apparently, the... she only ages when she's outside. Yes, yes, which is why he's he's older. You know, because I guess technically they're like twins that inhabited the same body. That she goes into how she was born first, and then kind of. I know. I'll have to watch it a third time to even be able to tackle that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Back at the lab, uh, because we have a moment of normalcy and we can't be having that in this show, Dr. Bird is suddenly visited by a ghostly deep-sea diving suit. Because why <laughs> not? Say it with me, kids. And she talks to Carrie about hoping someone might be waking up soon. We don't know who yet. Uh, she also lets us know that uh, female Carrie, there we go, only ages when she comes out of the shared body. Dr. Bird and Carrie enter an icy room with, ta-da, a guy frozen in a deep-sea diving suit and we find out this is oliver her husband an alarm goes off but it's a false alarm and melanie is sure that she's trying or that oliver is trying to reach them back to david's brainscape and he finds himself in a strange luminescent world and he is beckoned by wait for it someone in a deep sea diving suit i see a recurring theme here (laughs) right oh nothing i kind of got excited whenever i saw the diving suit so in in the comic books his multiple personalities for the most part, you only see them in the weird headspace that mm-hmm. most of those comic books take place in because they're all mostly inside of his own head. Yeah. But the, none of his personalities, like, look normal. Like I said, one of them is a crazy robot and one has a chimney coming out of his head. Right. I never got that far, and it was a lot more straightforward. It was like three personalities when I was reading stuff about Legion and, yeah. 
then I went to thousands. Yeah, it gets it gets crazier and crazier and crazier. Whenever I saw the diving suit, my first thought was, oh, well, that's one of his personalities right there because it's a crazy dude in a diving suit. <laughs> it, you know, it, if if it is, then that might mean that every even the way Oliver was talking to him here in a minute, uh, he uh, there were a lot of little clues that could say that yeah, which would mean everything in the whole damn show has been in his head pretty much. It, up to this point, but I'm prepared for that. If they want to go that way. I don't think general audiences will like it so much, but I'm, I'm game. Uh, David climbs up after him um, to the floating ice ball. We saw in the beginning and sure enough, it's our lounge singer, Dr. Bird's husband, Oliver. Now the feeling I got <laughs> watching him climb this thing up was like an old seventies friggin' hanging ceiling lamp. Did anyone else kind of get that oh, vibe? Yeah. Just that, kind of that a makes, pull that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I didn't really catch it until the second time I watched it, but it was just like that's kind of an old. That would be like a cheesy '70s ceiling lamp. I, my parents had something similar to that. You know, this big, big uh, shade around it, but it was essentially kind of like a teardrop, almost like ice ball shape, where you screw in the uh, the light bulbs. So it was like, yeah, it's a brain flashback from my. My past maybe real memories. I don't know. Could have also just been uh, all in the family. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, it's Oliver. He offers Dave a drink, tells him uh, that what is real in this space is whatever he wants it to be. Uh, he puts on some very annoying loud jazz, which David can only handle for a couple seconds. I was digging it. Um, Oliver has been in the ice cube a long time, apparently, and it's exposition time. David realizes that he hasn't woke up yet and tries to get some answers, but Oliver just wants to know if women are still going braless uh, uh, priorities. David went too far into the make-believe, apparently, and got lost, as does the audience. He's stuck in the astral plane. This was the bad news. The good news is that Oliver has a friend now, and he treats us <laughs> to some beat poetry, because why not? David is told not to worry that the monster can't get him in here. Um, and uh, David's like, well, oh, what monster? And uh, the, and Oliver's like, ah, oh, he made you forget. And that, I, I think I'm starting to see where that's going. David starts to leave, maybe, <laughs> if anything's real. David starts to leave. Oliver knows more than it seems uh, that he should. And he tells David he brought the uh, monster with him, um, and it's more like a parasite. Put that in your notebooks, Ooh. kids. At this point, blood is running out of my ears. I mean, that just slips into my notes every <laughs> yeah, now and then. Yeah. I, at a certain point in this episode, I was just like, well, I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea what the hell is going on, but it's glorious to watch it. It's really, so limp and, and it's really pretty. Crashed and, yeah. Right. <laughs> David tries to use his powers to escape in a very humorous little, like, activate, you know, arms out. And everything. <laughs> Oliver shows him the way, though, uh, opens up a door for him, but warns against it. And he's told it isn't real unless David makes it real. Ooh. Don't forget, kids, Wednesday is karaoke night. <laughs> so come on back. <laughs> That's probably my tonight. favorite line in both <laughs> these episodes. Yeah. Here we go, back to some more scene montages, an exposition by Sid about mutants being myths and unnoticed by the normals. Kind of a little more world building here, which is cool. Um, they go to visit the old girlfriend. Um, 
they're going to pretend about Philly. Philly. Okay, I could not remember her name for some reason. Um, they're going to pretend to buy a house from her to give Potomini a chance to scan her. And Carrie's all like, I get to punch something soon, right? Uh, as Sid makes with a small talk, we see memories of when David's girlfriend found him in, uh, with Lenny and the smoking frog. A scene of her and uh, David having dinner with Dr. Poole and talking about fake dog King and other mysteries that his girlfriend wonders about. Potomini notices the glitch and rewinds to the scene of uh, Philly going to visit Dr. Poole uh, herself, and it looks like it's post-beating. As they're getting ready to leave, Sid uh, lets the cat out of the bag that they're looking for David and uh, asks about their breakup. We learn about his friend Benny. Hold the phone, Chuck! Suddenly, uh, Aubrey Plaza is a fat junkie guy. And I um, passed out from lack of blood to my brain. And <laughs> they leave the girlfriend. And uh, she says as they leave, tell him that they're watching. Sid and Potomini are confused. Carrie is like, I want to fight ninjas now. Uh <laughs> Little Wolverine DNA going on there. Uh, they go to visit Dr. Poole. He doesn't want to talk at first, but lets them in. And Sid asks him, what did the stars say? Poole says he asked, wants to ask David why he beat him up. And then he asks about Melanie Bird, and they're like, wow, how do you know her? And the attack by Division Three begins. Soldiers start riddling the building with bullets. Additionally, Dr. Poole is now turned into Art Ifunkel, who casually walks through the storm of lead as Sid, Potomini, and Carrie flee upstairs. Carrie is like, I finally get to punch somebody out of my way, and jumps out a window. Back in Oliver's mind, Ice Cube, he puts on uh, our music for the final act. Nice little ditty, I thought, and I thought the scene was fucking spectacular to, in general. Um, we get scenes of Potomini trying in vain to shoot the eye. Oliver dancing, Dr. Kissinger and Amy, the eye and Potomini facing off, Oliver dancing. We see female Carrie fighting and her actions being mirrored by male Carrie back in the lab. Um, and am I the only person who's seen the movie My Blue Heaven? No. Steve Martin? I've seen um, it. The guy who plays male Carrie, had, I, I thought it had to be a callback. Just to his crazy dancing in that, wasn't he like a fellow FBI agent of Rick Moranis? Oh, Jesus, I can barely remember. Oh, I'm, I'll, I'll, like post, I'll find the scene and post it in the Weekly Heroics Facebook page, which we have, by the way, so please join. Um, you, you'll see what I'm talking about. I'll come back to you. But For the one other person in the universe that might know what I'm talking about, thanks for joining us. We'll move on now. <laughs> <laughs> the eye takes out Potomini with one touch to the forehead. Blammo, zaps him. Oliver is still dancing. Melanie is watching over Oliver in a scuba suit. The eye phases off with Sid, and, of course, she goes full rogue on him and switches places with him. Clever. And we get Oliver with the air guitar. What the hell am I watching? Soldiers, <laughs> come, into, soldiers come into the room with the not I and not Sid. She tries to warn them, but he uh, kicks himself unconscious or something. We hear Lenny's voice in David's head, and she creates his kid's room for him. And Carrie is in trouble, the female Carrie, and the soldiers are getting the best of her. And Carrie, back in the lab, is apparently feeling the beating, too. Yeah. yeah. So apparently it's that's the, the downside to their power set. Uh, Lenny is being her usual crude and charming self, and she's currently female again. 
Um, David is still searching for an exit, and Lenny is still trying to foster distrust in David about the Summerland crew. Uh, Lenny says they need to get out of there because she has things to do. To motivate him, she shows him the scene of Sid in danger, and David screams, face morphing kind of into the yellow devil as he does. I'm sure that means nothing. Suddenly, he's teleported in front of the Division's van and makes it crash, and he frees not Sid while real Sid is hurting in the front seat. Not Sid tries to stab him. Not the guy disarms her, and she runs. If you just play this back a few times, it might start to make sense, kids. Uh, not the eye disarms her and she runs, but David hasn't caught on yet. Um, Carrie Wolverine gives chase, but suddenly the body switch back and the eye shoots Carrie. Carrie at Summerland collapses too, and as David is kneeling down to uh, tend to Carrie, Lenny creeps out around his shoulder, looking quite evil. Roll credits. Pop another Xanax. Uh, <laughs> they they break the your heart with the Carrie thing. Because I don't, I don't yeah, know. I, totally. didn't, I didn't develop a lot of attachment to the female Carrie, but male Carrie throughout this episode, you kind of get like into his headspace a little bit, and you kind of start to like the guy, and then they pull that shit on you, and you're like, oh no, yeah, why? I don't know if they're real or not, but I love them anyway. <laughs> I know, well, and that that guy's just a he's been in everything. He's just one of those character actors. It's like, you know, they need a very amicable sometimes scientist-y guy, you know, or FBI guy or whatever, you know, you plop someone like that in there and, you know, he improves pretty much every scene that he's in. Um, so it's easy to, it's easy when you're casting good actors like that to, to get to know minor characters quickly, I think. And as you said, care about them. I, I was intrigued to find out, I hope they're not dead because I'm intrigued to find out about other Carrie's kind of bloodlust a little bit. And, you know, any any time there's an excuse to have a good looking woman beat the shit out of people for some reason that does something tingly to me so uh, <laughs> and now I've said too much um, and this was this was another episode that I feel like I need to watch it five more times oh yeah because I saw it was one of those things where I watched it and I started like because of the last couple episodes where I'd started noticing that weird stuff little detail stuff popping out in the corners of things. This one I kind of tried to pay more attention while I was watching it. And man, there's so many little things that you don't know if it's significant or not. Like every time it shows the memory of, uh, well, Lenny and him doing drugs and her coming in, the cake box was that teal blue color. Mm -hmm. And then finally, whenever they shoot through her memory, it was pink and you only see it once when she's walking in the door and i was like okay well that's that's a little different and then i started thinking about it and the dress she's wearing is the same color of teal that the box in the memory is and then her like her hairstyle and her office doesn't look right it looks like it might be from the 70s or something so it might be an (laughs) anachronism so this it might be another fake thing on top of all the other fake things well right i mean the whole style of the show is laid out to just be completely time ambiguous and style ambiguous and you know like uh yeah i I don't get details like that i mean i've seen i saw little flashes in the eyes when they're switching and 
Yeah, it's it's something you could just absorb over and as you said on Facebook, we could do a five hour podcast on every episode if, if we just wanted to pick it apart and right just and listen frame, to me read twenty frame, pages of stuff. Yeah, uh, and luckily there are more persistent nerds on the internet that will do that for us eventually. Um, I actually just found one site kind of mapped out the chronology or attempted to of like the first two seasons. You know, put every like a little snippet of every scene and and where they thought that it occurred in linear chronological order in the universe. Um, but, but none of that matters because it's all fake. <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. I mean, this one started out with flash forwards, you know, basically Sid narrating stuff that had already happened. Um, you know, we see her on the ground and we, we see the final fight within like the first five minutes of the, you know, or snippets of it in the first five minutes of the show. Um, and then they're doing stuff like that to us constantly. <laughs> That's, well, and then there's a bunch of stuff. The lighthouse. Yeah. Like, it's, when, I didn't notice it in the memory, but once they walk up to it, does that look like any lighthouse that actually exists in the world anywhere? It looks like a toy or a snow globe or I mean, just the paint on it and the shape of it. It, it looks fake. It looks. Yeah, and the, and the original, I think it was also all white in the original girlfriend quick memory of it as she's just like walking up maybe that's just the dream filter i don't know exactly but but i think there was no color in that one that's probably significant somehow (laughs) or not the problem is i think i can't decide if everything's significant or if nothing's significant it has Uh, to be one or the other if they go full lost on this show man people are freaking riot because they weren't happy with that. Uh, <laughs> they're just making this up week to week. Then they got problems because they'll never dig themselves out of it. <laughs> You're going to have to give us a good last episode or people yeah. are going to flip. I will. I'll lead the charge. Uh, Mr. Hero, uh, you're very silent. Your brain short circuited yet? Chris? Uh-oh. What's that? <laughs> Felt Sorry. Honest, didn't you, man? It's, a, it's been a long day. <laughs> Well, we'll we'll be wrapping this up soon. Um, Just wanted your thoughts. I mean, my too much. uh, My thoughts are, um, (laughs) I don't even know, man. Like I, I feel like I'm way out of my element trying to talk about this show. I don't do drugs. Like I don't know anything about psychology. Uh, All I know is that I continue to be entertained by the mystery that they're giving us. I. It's. I hope it doesn't run into the problem that I kind of had with the first season of Preacher, where you. Sh- I mean, it's got less episodes than Preacher, so it might not. Um, where you're just sort of dragging things out for the sake of dragging them out. Um, yeah, I think they have to try to hit us with something concrete narratively. To at least grasp onto for whatever the down coast of this season is. I mean, this essentially we're halfway through it now, right? Yeah. So, it, I mean, I don't want it to be a mystery box for the entire first season. I I just want a little bit of an idea of where we're going. But uh, like, I mean, I, I understand the the warring factions and then trying to figure out what's going on with the totality of what's in David's mind. But might be the time now to try to at least make something concrete out of one of those two mysteries. 
I, I think this was it was the big. I think they'll start moving along a little bit um, after this. I mean, they kind of set us up in the three and made it look like we were moving things along, and then they threw us this little loop. Um, but now David's presumably back in the real world or one level of the Inception world. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, that, and that's the other thing. With this kind of show, at the end of it, they could just say it was all in his head or somebody else's head or in Benny's head. And, like, it, uh, I don't want them to do that. I want them to kind of play fair. Otherwise, why are we watching? I'm betting a show like this, as meticulous as it seems to be put together, has, like, a contingency plan for, like, this is the episode we release if it's if we don't get renewed, and this is the one we lead into stuff. Because I don't know how you could you couldn't make the last episode be some kind of bizarre cliffhanger, or people would go crazy. But if you're going to continue, you don't want to give away everything at the end of the first season. No, but I'm not saying they need to. But it would be nice to have a clearly defined something at least out of one of those two mysteries. They should go very British television on it. Like it, each it season like should have an ending that could yeah. potentially just be the last episode, and you would like you're like, oh, okay, well, this is what's going on. And then the next season, of course, they go in with the first episode and be like, aha, that's not what's going on. Yeah, which would be pretty easy to do in this show, um, the way they're setting it up. Um, I guess that's. Yeah, kind of brilliant to set it up. It's like anything could be unreal, so whatever we give you that is real at the end of it, you'll appreciate it more. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what What are your guys' thoughts on are they ever going to, like, really connect this to the X-Men? Uh, I, I mean, I think from what I've read from the showrunners, I don't think there's any plans to directly say the name X-Men or Charles Xavier. Um, but, and again, it doesn't need it. It is, it, it is standing on its own it because they've stuff. kind of, because they've, because they've removed it from the main continuity that we've seen so far. But I mean, it says, you know, f- uh, f- FX Marvel production. It's like, I don't know. Um, standing maybe in standing with a big red X in this one. Man. And, and, and maybe that's just the way that they're going to play it throughout the totality of the show. Is I just, they'll throw X's around in the background and maybe some sly jokes here and there. Or pull some other characters that Fox probably isn't going to use for the movies. Because there's so many goddamn mutants oh, out yeah. there. There's plenty that they can pull in. I just I don't know why you use David Heller, then. I just don't know why you go with Legion if you can't drop the Charles Xavier reveal. My, my guess would be Charles will be a season three thing. I bet if, if season one and season two do really well yeah. and then ratings start lagging, they'll they'll go, oh, Charles Xavier, to try to spike the ratings again. Yeah, really all it would need is, like, a history of what happened to them, you know, if you wanted to do something like that. Um, you know, all you have to do is drop the name, really, is what I'm expecting them to do. I don't think Xavier will ever, like, actually show up. Oh, what they what they would end up doing is maybe the, the father that's in the flashbacks is a, you know, a stepfather or something. And, you know, we'll find out in a flashback, oh, that's that's not your biological dad. Your real dad's name was Charles. They might not even say Xavier. Right. right. You know, yeah, I don't. I don't. Think and again, if really they all, I don't think there is a 
dad or stepdad in those. I think that's one of those things that he's completely manufactured. He's putting together for it. Yeah, I mean, because it's, yeah, I mean, there's still a long way to go to plumb the depths of his his uh, his issues. Uh, I don't know. It's If they wanted to be really smart with it and they wanted to tie it into the movie continuity, they could say when Days of Future Past messed up the timeline that, you know, <laughs> McAvoy went off for a while while his legs were working and, uh, you know, eh, 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 got it on. I think that would be clever, but they'll never do it. Yeah, I mean, they haven't established Gabriel Heller in the movie universe at all, obviously. Um well, that's the thing, and that's why if they never want to say Charles Xavier, they don't have to, because David Holler, it's just like, okay, it means something to us, but to everybody else that's a newbie that's watching it, it's just, that's his name. I know, some of the movies you know? have evidence they don't listen to the fanboys at all, but man, that would really not be, I, I just don't know how you market this as an X-Men show and never acknowledge it, but hey, I don't know. I'm gonna enjoy it regardless. Did, but. <laughs> yeah, I'm enjoying it too. It's it, it, it's standing on its own. I, I find it weird that like now one of my most favorite X Men properties, this thing, is like the farthest thing from the X Men that has ever been on screen. But I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think that right now, like, there's only three X Men properties that have really done anything for me and that's this and uh days of futures past and maybe to a slight extent the very first x-men movie well and logan yeah it's awesome but that's kind of its own thing um i'm one of those suckers for the x universe and in, in pretty much any form uh so that's they they tell me it's tangentially related. I mean, we're getting another X Men TV show apparently because they just cast somebody as Blink. So I wonder I, if this I don't might know. not lead into that somehow instead. Uh, who knows? Uh, I'm trying to figure out what it's who, supposed to be. I thought the TV show was supposed to be New Mutants, but now they're I, not going to waste New Mutants on well, TV. No. They'll do that as well, a movie. And so now that's what I read. New Mutants is supposed to be a movie, and I'm assuming what's going to happen is. Deadpool 2 is going to come out, and then New Mutants is going to come out, and then they'll take characters from both of those uh, and make X Factor. X Force. I think we're going to get. I think we're getting X Force after Deadpool yeah, 2, because yeah. <laughs> I don't know where the mainline X universe is going, other than a retread of Dark Phoenix, which is like. All uh, right. Bite me in the least. They should just. They well, should just make it, a cable movie and. It let everybody's brain explode from the time <laughs> yeah. shenanigans. It'd be a close second with this one, that's for sure. Well, that's what I was thinking, because eventually Legion does get the ability to shift through time. Right, yeah. So and it looks on top like... of all the weirdness, you add in time travel and this weirdness, and this show will get so confusing. <laughs> you know, we're almost there. They got them teleporting all over the place, and obviously they're rolling us through time left and right in his memories which you know we don't know if it's he even travels back and forth in his own memory time when he's presumably awake so memories within memories within memories yeah um one thing i wanted to say about what you said uh hero is that i i do agree that I, i'm i'm over the whole what you know showing us all the scenes we've already seen again you know um even if they're done in quick montages i think we can we got it we 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 remember all these little scenes now. I think we can 
can go on with a little more linear storytelling. Uh, or at least give yeah, us some uh, other weird stuff to look. I want to see the dude that was in the fucking tree in Summerland in, in Chapter 2 again. What was his story? <laughs> right. <laughs> I showed up. He might have just been a dude that liked to hide in trees. It was a tree. It is mutant school, but I want to meet him. He, he looked kind of neat. Um, and he just was there for a couple quick shots, and, and it has to mean something, so... Yeah, just a smorgasbord of weirdness, folks. Legion. And now we're all caught up, so uh, we'll, we'll be doing this again next yeah. week. Um, and chances are, if you've watched through four episodes, you're probably going to watch all the way to the end. Uh, yeah, if you're any kind at, of a masochist like we are. At least at this point, we actually pretty much know four things. And that's, there are four figmental characters. <laughs> Lenny, the dog, the angriest boy in the world, and the demon guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who may all be the same thing and are yeah. actual, like, this psychic parasite. Yeah. Yeah, I always, I don't know how much you guys, I've said it in other episodes, but I mean, I, I think this could very easily go into the Shadow King. It would not surprise me if that's going to be the tie-in, that the Shadow King is going to get the be the name drop that we get. That would be really well, cool. The dog's name is right. King, so yeah, I mean, are they are they trolling more us? More likely, yeah. Um, the bizarre thing is, there's also a pretty decent setup for uh, going back and exploring Lucifer, the uh, the alien uh, that yeah. paralyzes Charles, because that's right. when uh, yeah, what's her face gets pregnant with Legion. Gabriel. Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, oh, man, I'd love to if they went back to the old school. Yeah. <laughs> Uncanny X-Men continuity with Lucifer. Exposition, that's, that's what I feel like it's going to be, is just the story of how Charles Xavier got with Gabriel Heller. Hey, if that means we get a proper Kane Marco, I'm all for it. <laughs> That'd be okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, you dream big, dream bigger than me, hero. Uh, hey, it could, it could happen, man. It could happen. I could get real juggernaut. You know what the funny thing is, is they could literally end this series. So they go however many seasons they want to go. Then they could end it with Legion going back in time and resetting the timeline. And then right. you could just restart all the X-Men movies. The time Why not? Again. I would be lying if I, I said that I wasn't hoping for something like that. <laughs> it would be excellent. <laughs> It's a good way to do it. I, I'm I'm ready for that. Bring bring me back the the Stan and, and Jack original version of the X Men. Yeah, yeah. Why you not? Actually, use Iceman properly for once. I'd be all right. I I liked him in the movies. At least he finally iced up in three, you know, fully. So that was nice. But yeah, but them making the weird thing about them making him younger than everybody else, like because he was the youngest, but he wasn't like that much younger than Scott and all them. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Well, Jean was the the new student, so wouldn't she have been the youngest? I don't know. I mean, that's like in the first issue. Hi. Like, oh, yes, here's this... Here's Jean, and then yeah, everybody's like, oh, hubba hubba. You didn't necessarily come into Xavier's at a certain particular age, just whenever your powers needed to, to go to school. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. She was well, we like, knew Magneto liked her. The original X Men comics, I think she was. Well, yeah, Hank and and um, Angel were the oldest, right? That sounds right. I thought. Yeah, sure. Let's go with it. 
Yeah. Hey, <laughs> we're finally getting Teenage Spider-Man. Can we get Teenage X-Men again, the original ones? And not like Teenage yeah. X-Men brought into the current universe through time travel fuckery. Is like they're I, don't know. I, I like the X-Men movies, but... I would I would yeah. actually like an X Men movie that is I, I know First Class tried to do it, but about the the original uncanny X Men Yeah coming the X Men at the school. It would print You money. could do you could do a nice three movie arc with with the original version of the Uncanny X Men, do you know, the the real first class and then, you know, they throw down with Magneto and Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver at the end of the first one, and eventually the, those two come around and join the, the X-Men, and, yeah. Well, no, they don't need to have a reason to write Hugh Jackman into the mix. <laughs> Maybe we can finally get that. And I I'm so him. saddened by that. I, I love I, Hugh Jackman's I, Wolverine, but, man, he's got the Batman syndrome going on, and I'm... I'm over it, but I'm gonna go pay my. Well, you know what he also has? He's like, he's got like, I'm 50 years old. I don't want to have to train like a 20 year old anymore. (laughs) I don't blame him. Exactly. (laughs) Want to start eating those millions of dollars? Like, give me a freaking donut. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, he's he's got the the longest track record for a, a live action portrayal of a of a superhero character. I'm gonna miss you, Hugh. Right. I'm gonna miss you. I would pay infinite monies for DC to hire James Gunn to come in and direct an X-Men movie that takes place in the Savage Lands and has Katar in it. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, man. I'd, I'd be down for seeing Sauron and Kazar and all sorts of... Yeah. Oh, man, that's one place they never went in the movies. You know how rad that would have I mean, been? That would take just a big... huge swing at balls, which is why they need somebody like James Gunn who just does not give a fuck. Just a big, pulpy, jungle adventure. I mean, you think of Wolverine fighting a Tyrannosaur and not think that won't print you a billion dollars. I mean, come on. I love Wolverine fighting a Tyrannosaur. I love the Wolverine jungle adventure that Mike Mignola <laughs> drew. Okay. And it's like, yeah. I mean, I know it's a robo-dinosaur that Apocalypse created, but even still, it's a dinosaur. Yeah. It's So it's even better because it's a robo-dinosaur. <laughs> Robot ninja dinosaur. Ooh. Yeah. But, I mean... pirate. Oh, ooh. <laughs> all right. I'm yeah. I'm down for that. It's it. I mean, the X Men franchise is so malleable. Anyway, I mean, look at all the incarnations it's had. You're too easy. You're too easy on them. <laughs> I, I I am too easy on them. Apocalypse is really the only one that disappointed me, was, and that's saying something because it was it was it was very bland and i was very disappointed cuz i loved what they did with days of future past i know you have issues with it scott cuz it's not the comic but i just i enjoyed that for the you know well i, I didn't regret apocalypse it. was yeah, just i actually regretted sitting through apocalypse <laughs> like two hours i fell asleep during apocalypse and that's saying a lot <laughs> Because uh, I'm I'm the guy that likes X Men Origins Wolverine, even though it's got a lot of cheesy parts. I, I've liked a little bit of all of them, but that that one just really. Had I like all of them too, and I like X Men Three because it reminds me of the '90s cartoon. Oh. 
So that it's movie like was so bad. I really, I don't think that Brian Singer directing that movie would have made it any different. No, Sorry, not really. Brett Ratner, Brian Singer, both the blandest of bland they directors. Really are, yeah. I think the problem is they all seem to they all did the X Men themselves all right, like as far as the characters are concerned. Although I don't get Brian Singer's boner for Mystique. Yeah. But uh, what they seem well, to I, miss. I, is I understand getting a boner for Mystique, but Brian Singer's apparently yeah. gay, so yeah, I don't understand it from him. That's a rumor. Oh, it's not. That's a rumor. <laughs> He's married and has kids. Yeah, really, really. Nah, I think so. There's some worse rumors about him. Yeah, that's what I. Was yeah, there's a lot of. Uh, I just I want him off. Of, that's part of the other thing. I want him off the franchise just because the stink of his extracurricular activities. It's like get please just get him off the fucking property, would yeah. you? That dropped right before Apocalypse came out too, and just swept right under the rug. And it dropped. It dropped uh, before even before oh, yeah, that. I mean, that goes back to his days when he was doing apt pupil. His allegations, oh, yeah. and it's like I just no, please no. Yeah, I'd really like them to take another run at the Juggernaut as a bad guy. I want. I know. I want a real Kane Marco. I want the stepbrother of Charles Xavier, who knows where the mansion is, and all he cares about is just fucking everybody's day yeah. up because he's because he's the Juggernaut, bitch. Yeah. And with, with that's it. Give me Juggernaut and Black Tom Cassidy together. Why couldn't you do Juggernaut the exact same way that they did Colossus in Deadpool? Because mm-hmm. it just has to be uh, now they could Caney Valley or anything. It just has to be real enough that people don't go, "Ooh, that's bad animation." It doesn't the Colossus need to be we got in the other movies was pretty goddamn bad animation. It wasn't Colossus. I I I liked the kid playing him, and he was clearly supposed. I mean, they they made it more realistic. Okay. Obviously, he was tall. He's like six six or something. Well, though. I don't know if they let say more than four words in three movies too. Yeah, he was kind of wasted. When, but I mean, I remember seeing the trailer for X two, and you see him armoring up. I'm like, yeah! when X three came out, and they promised, they promised that he was going to have a bigger part in that movie, and they yeah. said that Angel's going to be in it, and Angel's going to have a big part. I was like, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. And God, both of them weren't in that movie for a combined ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I I still like it. <laughs> Because I'm just I, I get sucked into Magneto and and uh, and Wolverine. Yeah, job with yeah, both iterations of Magneto. I've I've really liked it, but man, mm-hmm. the rest of the villains they just can't seem to get get it right. Well, like Sabretooth's not. Do you remember? Like it's not right. Oh, thank God! I like Toad in the movies better. <laughs> oh. I, I I hate Weasley, sycophant toad oh, boring <laughs> you want to watch that watch pride of the x-men yeah there you go with cockney wolverine <laughs> yeah an australian wasn't he which you know is kind of meta in a way now yeah i guess so <laughs> <laughs> and still nobody's done justice to cyclops no. well anyway it's another hour of conversation i should just let you find yeah well i could talk x-men all night <laughs> Join us next week for the X-Men cast. <laughs> There's already a lot of those. I'm definitely covering whatever comes out from, you know, I don't know. Was, I haven't really been excited about any of them, but nah, I'm kind of hooked on this one now, and I'll definitely be checking out. I mean, we've got Blink over there, and they've cast a couple other people. 
So there's some Marvel stuff coming out to counteract all the DC we got to watch. So that's kind of nice. And... Uh, yeah, and we haven't even talked about the fact that they've cast two of the Inhumans already. Well, uh, uh, Karnak, I just read a casting Karnak. What? And, uh, and, oh, yeah. All right. Uh, Aaron Henley posted it earlier. It was uh, it's one of the one of the lost guys. I think he played uh, the the uh, the guy who his wife died. Like I can't remember like, what the character's name like the is. Scientist Miles. I stopped watching Lost after season two, so whatever. It was Miles on Lost. Yeah. But... Anyway, it's all on the interwebs. You all can find it yourself. Yeah. Uh, but who's playing Black Bolt? There better be Black Bolt. Already cast him. What? Know who it is. And they cast. Uh, the... He actually looks a lot like him. Yeah, the good dude's got like. Fucking, he's got the good square jaw going on and shit. Yeah, he looks... And he's not going to have to talk. It's going to yeah. be great. And they cast... Uh, like, that's your season one finale right there, him whispering. Yeah. And exploding people. Now they got Zata- uh, Zatanna from uh, Smallville is playing Medusa. Oh, my God, I have the biggest crush on her. Watch Breakout Kings if you can find it. She was on that. That show was only on for two seasons, and it's excellent. I it better fitting in that movie, or I, I will slip. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I have no excuse. We just got two episodes of Grodd on the CW. I, Marvel Money should be able to buy us a Lockjaw. Yes, no you do need to have Lockjaw. I'm just glad and Triton forward because whenever they stalled that project out, I started to get a little mad. I know. I'm kind of excited. It's going to be TV. I, I, I would, I'm down for weekly Inhumans. And they're releasing like the first two episodes are going to be IMAX. They're going to do a like limited theatrical IMAX run. I'm not paying thirteen dollars to watch TV at the movie theater. It's just not I happening. Might. <laughs> I might too. I don't know. Yeah. And I have two IMAXs within twenty five minutes of me, and it's like I'm still not going to do it. Well, maybe I'll do like normal theater too. That would be nice. And yeah, it's a little out of my daily budget too. But besides, I got a. I'm already uh, scheduled to watch uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 in 3D IMAX because that just has to happen because nowhere in the first one was fucking spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to get to see Kurt Russell's face on a fucking planet. So, yeah. You think they're going to do it? You think oh they're going to do the planet with the mustache? Not. Ego already has the mustache and beard going on in the comics pretty much. So. Yeah, I was going to say, James James Gunn does not shy away from any of this. Why, I mean, why would you not just make him Jason Aspartax then? Because he looks like fucking Jason Aspartax, so... There's, there's only... Because why have it be him when you can have it be Ego, the living fucking right, planet? You have to put his face on a giant planet, and I want to, and I have to see it in 3D IMAX. That's, so that's true. That's true. <laughs> the biggest mystery is... Who is Sylvester Stallone playing? I have to know. He's playing a um, a gangster. He's playing a like an intergalactic gangster type. I think he's. I, I just. I think it's going to be something bigger than that, and they're they're just not letting us know yet. Yeah, I, Gun's pretty good at like he gives out a lot, but he's pretty good at uh, locking down the really big secrets. Maybe he's going to be the voice of uh, Cosmo. <laughs> I, some, early, some early reports I. That, that could be pretty awesome too and might actually happen um, from some of the early reports I read there was uh, said he'd been cited wearing something similar to like a Judge Dredd type costume and my mind oh my god Nova, obviously like is he gonna be rich oh he's a member of the Nova Corps rich rider. okay he gonna be rich rider 
So Mitch Rider or Rich Rider? Oh man, I don't. I don't think so because I think they've said that Marvel actually has some plans for Nova, but I don't. If, if Marvel does Nova, they're gonna do the Kid Nova. Guarantee it. Sucked. But someone I, like Gunn might both. roll out Stallone for one scene as Rich Rider. You know he would do it. <laughs> Yeah. I can't imagine they wouldn't do rich. The, the problem is, is with with certain characters, I can understand uh, that they would go with a more current character. Like if they made a Blue Beetle movie, they're going to go with Jaime Reyes. Yeah. He's, he's super popular. But the new Nova, I can't even remember what his name is. Sam? Is that I right? So, maybe. But, yeah. but he's, he looks like he needs to eat a steak. He never thought. <laughs> like, people do not like him as much as they liked rich and it took it took rich a long time to catch on but he did and now people are sad that he's been replaced so i don't One know my favorite characters play in marvel heroes when i get online and do that <laughs> yeah Anywho, shall we wrap it kids uh Legion. yeah uh, thank you uh, murph tipton for coming on with us today thank you right um and listen to his podcast over at hero unabridged Give us the exact uh, website of that again. Uh, it's it's herounabridged.lipson.com, I think is the, the website. If you type it into Google, it pops up. There you go. All right. And for Hair Metal Hero, Chris Tyler. Yeah, that's me. And my leaking brain, Scott McGregor. We'll be back <laughs> next week with uh, more Legion stuff. We're just going to be doing them one episode at a time after this. Uh, as we said, we've caught up. And we're going to follow it right along with you until the bloody psychotic end. Uh, <laughs> please email us. Yeah. As, as I said, I think last episode, if you were ever going to, you know, open up that Outlook Express or whatever the fuck people use nowadays um, and send us off an email to weeklyheroics at yahoo.com, we'd love to hear your, your theories about Legion because this is one of them water cooler shows, as they say, and I don't actually have a water cooler, so it's our virtual water cooler. <laughs> virtual, yes. Um, and, and again, disclaimer, no, you aren't actually required to come on the show, but we'll probably beg you to anyway. <laughs> if this show ever really happened. That's true. Boom, boom, boom. I have no hard copy of it. It's just floating out there in the cloud. So it could happen. Or it could not happen. Weekly Heroics, kids. Keep tuned in. And we'll keep making them. Bye now. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. I had what I thought were clear. Open eyes, bright blue. Vision now of a light. Carrying pictures to lay on you Close up eyes, let them in to mind Opening, it's the edge of love You can't unthink thought Either is there or not Yeah.
Is it wrong to want more? 